Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It is December 6th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. With expectations approaching those of a condemned man's last supper, we braced for a seemingly inevitable soul-sapping loss to the Baltimore Ravens. And while that low bar was met for three quarters of the game, I reinvigorated Ben Roethlisberger, protected by a ragtag collection of journeymen and mercenaries, exploded for 17 fourth-quarter points, while an equally reinvigorated defense, led by its established stars and supported by its own new recruits, ultimately were able to keep the lid on a Ravens offense that was constantly threatening to explode. My bookie, baby. It's not every day that you can double your money, but sometimes it is. My bookie, you can double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. With my bookie's double deposit bonus, and you can hear Papa Tom click clacking away on the keyboard in the background. He's doubling his double deposit, making it a quadruple deposit. But either way, if you sign up at mybookie.ag and use our promo code, Sports drink, all one word, sports drink. You'll instantly receive double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. Set yourself up for success by doubling your first deposit when using that promo code sports drink at my bookie. Steelers 20, Ravens 19. Nick, do you think this was more? of a Ravens failure to win than it was a Steelers victory? I think that that's a fair question to ask, uh, you know, five years ago, four years ago in the Killer Bees era. Because, look, we know that the Steelers are not contending for the Super Bowl this year. And that does not mean it's a lost season. We're going to talk about all the tremendous... I don't don't even want to say symbolism, but we're going to talk about why last night's win was actually important in this podcast. But I would say it, it truly is a throw that out. Was it the Ravens' failures? Was it the Steelers' um, successes? It, it doesn't matter. Now, what I do think is it's both teams, the Ravens and the Steelers, are extremely sloppy. And they're really just carried by a handful of all-universe players. Like everybody knows the Ravens are this year's Steelers from last year. Right where the, the the false eleven and zero or whatever people wanted to say, but the Ravens have been getting crazy lucky in the in a ton of their wins. And as a fan, you don't want to hear that. You're like, a win's a win. But getting back to your question, 
when you're grading the quality of the win, they are not created equal. And when you're a Super Bowl contender, you are trying to grade the quality of the win to project, like, can we do this three times in a row in the playoffs? So that being said, we knew that the Steelers had offensive issues, particular last year, particularly last year. The Ravens this year, you watch them and you look at how many players they've lost, and now they've lost Marlon Humphrey. They're not that great of a team. They are probably closer in talent to the Steelers anyway. So I think the Steelers superstars, TJ Watt and Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick and Deontay Johnson and guys like that, I think they made a ton of great plays. I think Lamar Jackson made a ton of great plays, and both teams made some boneheaded ones. But the biggest thing to me, Dad, and i got to hand it back to you here, but the biggest thing for me was that this game was actually exciting. Like this was – it was Steelers-Ravens. And it didn't have the bloodlust and the violence of the classic Steelers-Ravens games. And we've definitely been lacking that you know, since Lamar came to town, and uh, which co- coincided with you know Ben's career winding down and stuff like that. But while it didn't have the violence, it had star power, it had drama, and it had, of course, a you know, last-second win by Ben Roethlisberger, which is nice. So either one. What was amazing, everybody was commenting on this, right? In the first half, the Steelers didn't even have a, uh, didn't even convert a third down. 191 yards to 93. Time of possession was 100 minutes to two. But I did the calculation. The Ravens, at the end of the first half, were leading seven to three, which gave them one third of a point three points. Right. Per minute, and the nice. Steelers had 0.5. <laughs> I figured I just extrapolated that, and I knew that the Steelers were going to eventually win. Well, wasn't the time of possession insane in the first half? I do think that uh, that ineptitude on offense was actually a little bit more due to just the Ravens being able to march the ball all the way down the field on the Steelers rather than the Steelers just being absolute crap. I thought they had a couple nice plays and a couple close plays in the first half that didn't really pan out. So I don't know. What did you think? Look, they had, I'm just looking at the possession chart right now, they had possessions of six and ten minutes on two of their drives. So, yeah, they owned the ball for a lot of that time. And somebody was saying on Steelers Depot, or probably Alex, Ben not ben don't break. And I, I although I hate that, I'm not sure that that was intentional by the Steelers. That seemed to be the, the case. I think it's more case. It's not intentional. It's just a heroic effort by Cam Wormley, the star, by the way. We'll talk more about him. But Cam Wormley and TJ making efforts and stopping the Ravens in the red zone combined with the fact that, look, what makes a great offense is red zone. And that takes precise quarterback play and great play calling. Uh, And the Ravens are not that team. So I think that when they got to the red zone, it was tougher for them to convert. And the Steelers' stars, when the uh, field condensed, they were able to take advantage of it. So I I do think that this game is so important, getting back to the bigger picture, because of what we're talking about. The Ravens made mistakes, the Steelers made mistakes, but they made big plays. And this win, to me, has Mike Tomlin written all over it. And I know it's tough to attribute wins or losses to coaches, but I just want to point this out to Steelers fans. The Steelers team right now is not that talented. I know that sounds crazy. They're not that talented. They just happen to have a couple absolute superstars who are so talented that it makes you feel like you have better guys, right? Because you have Cam, TJ, and Minka, who we know Minka's even been a little bit up and down. But you have those guys. You have nobody left on the defense line with Cam Hayward. You have two inside linebackers who are totally blown. Your, your uh, 
corners are all like practice squad guys. And then, yeah, there's, there's decent players. You have no viable offensive lineman, although maybe that's changed after last night. Leglu, anybody? But what I'm trying to say is that the Steelers, they don't have the roster to be mowing over people. And they definitely don't have the roster to be above 500 reliably, right? The Vikings with Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Kirk Cousins just lost to the Lions. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you win a Ravens game like that, and yes, I know I said that they're not as good as the record is, and that's true, it just seems like that is such a a personality thing. You saw how fired up and inspired the Steelers were when they were playing, and they're playing at night. The crowd was freaking awesome. And to me, a lot of that goes back to Mike Tomlin squeezing all the juice out of the orange like he did in that eight and eight year with duck Hodges and the year or the reason why I think that's very important is because number one, the Steelers tradition and morale is important and you got to keep that up. And then number two, it is not overly unlikely that the Steelers will be unable to, to lure Russell Wilson or, or Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. And what I'm trying to say is like, if the Steelers are better it increases their chances of landing a quarterback like that, which is one of the paths they could take to being really good again. Yeah, how they don't have that great of a team. They just lost by 40. The entire world declared them dead. And no, we're not saying they're a great team. But just to get that type of win with those type of performances by your star players, with that type of performance from Ben, who we haven't even talked about yet, I just think that... uh, you know, Baltimore may not be, you know, going that far in the playoffs, but they should be able to beat Pittsburgh and especially where Pittsburgh stands right now. And I just think that there was so much grit and personality and intensity that was easily viewable just by watching how much the players were celebrating and how energetic they were flying to the ball and and missing tackles very often. But hey, you need better guys. Well, there were a couple stories within the game, right? And the first one is Chris Wormley, who came from Baltimore and apparently, uh, if reports are true, Mike Tomlin told him before the game, yeah. hey, look, you know, when they trade you, when a team trades you into their own division, <laughs> you know what they think of you. And Chris Wormley ended up with five tackles, two and a half sacks, which yeah. is like three times more than he's had in his career, two tackles for losses and three quarterback hits. This was, this was a career day for him. Yeah, there's no report to be believed. It came right out of Mike Tomlin's mouth in the presser. He said that, and he laughed when he said the quote that, hey, you know what they think of you, right? And he's true. So he's a big story. Uh, There's another Chris that's a big story, Chris Boswell's worst game in probably a couple years. And I guess all all I would say about that is, like, look, he could be a Hall of Famer, but there's only one Justin Tucker, right? Every other player has bad games. Every other player except for Justin Tucker who had his one bad game in his whole career, and we all know it. It was that Saints game like two, three years ago, which is hilarious that a whole country can name like, oh, yeah, there was that one time when Justin Tucker played a bad game. Otherwise, I'm not worried about Boz, but Boz definitely put them in a hole, and especially with kicking that kick out of bounds towards the end of the game. But, yeah, looking at the broad themes, you're talking about Chris Wormley. I mean, Wormley was phenomenal, and TJ and Cam were unbelievable. What did they get, like eight sacks or something crazy on Lamar Jackson? Yeah, seven sacks. TJ Watt, which they, by the way, they always do that to Lamar, right? I mean, the Steelers have, have had a pretty good matchup with him, um, and obviously he gets his plays, but the Steelers have, have generally done pretty well against Lamar, and uh, that's exactly what happened again during this game. 
it felt like exaggerated containment when you were watching the instant replays and you saw uh, defensive backs coming in. No, they weren't really, uh, for the most part, going after Lamar. They were worried about keeping him contained. And eventually, the defensive line was just relentless. I was worried about it from the beginning. Did you see it? Was well, yeah. You had to see oh, yeah. the re- replay a couple times. So it felt like they were just surging with every play, and you wondered how long they could maintain that. But they maintained it for the entire game and eventually got to Lamar seven times. And I'll tell you, that's – I'm, and, and, you know, I don't want to lay it on too thick to anybody who doesn't like Mike Tomlin. I know there's some people who don't, but – I think that it's it's our job here on the podcast to I, I completely disagree with that. I'm not saying that Mike Tomlin is look again, there's only one Bill Belichick. And the reason why I always return the Mike Tomlin thing uh or conversation with like, give me the name of the coach that you really like. Because if you go through all the other great coaches, Hall of Fame type coaches, Everybody has Achilles heel. Sean Payton couldn't make a decent defense for the entirety of Drew Brees' prime when they were killing people. They were always last place in defense. Andy Reid got fired from Philadelphia and should have choked in yet another Super Bowl with clock management issues if Patrick Mahomes didn't drop back on, what was it, fourth and 17 and make an unreal throw to Tyree Kill on a play that, oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes called the play too. He literally called the play and then made it up on the field and saved Andy Reid from being the worst big game coach in the history of the league. John Harbaugh hasn't made a legit offense. We saw what his offense could do last night, so on and so forth. And all I'm trying to say is that, like, yes, they have issues. But if you can do something special, something at an elite level better than anybody else does, that is incredibly valuable. Like Kyle Shanahan losing a lot of games in San Francisco, but we know, like, you can't fire that guy. He's instant offense. And what Mike Tomlin did against the Ravens ties into what you were saying about them not losing energy. What that says to me, this resembles their win over the Browns a few weeks ago. They were so embarrassed against the Cincinnati Bengals last week. You heard it on every news show, every podcast, and during all the post-game conferences, Cam Hayward during the week, the Chase Claypool, we're going to do music, and Cam and and, uh, Mike Tomlin shutting it down so hard. You could tell how tense it was. And that comes from Mike Tomlin making that atmosphere and antagonizing them. You heard what he said to Wormley. He's antagonizing guys. He's like, everyone thinks you suck. Everyone thinks you suck. What are you going to do? And to somehow not lose your locker room with that, but instead motivate them, similarly to how the week of the Browns game, that was the week when Carson Palmer just suggested that maybe Mike Tomlin will be the coach of USC, and Mike Tomlin didn't shut it down. He nailed it into the ground with a jackhammer. And and Mike Florio said on Pro Football Talk that week, he said, look, the way that Tomlin responded to that and the way he's responded to some other things during this Browns week shows me, like, this isn't just a one-off answer. This is what the Steelers facility is like this week, and I'm picking the the Steelers to upset the Browns. I think the same thing happened this week um, for the Ravens game. And, yep, doesn't excuse getting blown out of the building against the Bengals, right? Maybe you need to get – figure out how to – get more up for the small games. But to me, that was so evident because you're right. It was shocking how these guys were, were keeping up the rush all the way through the fourth quarter. Well, let's face it. This is your high school rival game, right? If you can't get up for the Ravens, you can't get up. This is like the Steelers against, let's say, Oakland in the 70s. The yeah. two other stories that I can think of is, A, the rumor that ben, this is Ben's last year. And right. I don't know whether, I mean, the players obviously heard the same rumor we have. 
And I wonder if there's just a, you know, it might be early for them to start thinking, let's win this one for Ben. But the other story is that the stadium was rocking. Rocking. And I think that now they demanded, they they were like demanding a victory. Well, you know what? You just, you just, uh, you got the brain juice going here for me because now I'm thinking like, did they, did they do that on purpose? The Ben announcement thing? Or they're like, we need the crowd against the Ravens this week because overwhelmingly on Twitter and, and happily for me, and maybe it's just the, the people I associate with, there was an outcrying of Ben Love and, and like a, hey, everybody, who cares what happens this season? Like, it's Ben's last six games. If you're going you're gonna to miss him when he's gone, that's for sure, right? And, and it seems like the crowd was ready for that. And then, it, of course, you couldn't have picked a better opponent because who else would you rather see the, the Steelers play than the Ravens? So moving on to some, some star play we haven't mentioned him, but Deontay, who I wanted to strangle with yeah. the absolute futility oh. in scoring with that. Could Ben have thrown a better ball no. on that drop <laughs> touchdown pass? But boy, did he come back and redeem himself. Okay, so I sort of feel like we talked about the defense a little bit. The only thing is we didn't talk about Witherspoon and and some of the guys who came off of the practice squad to perform admirably on defense. But generally, that was the theme, like their ability to corral Lamar Jackson, their ability to get stops in the red zone, their ability to make big plays, get an interception, get a strip sack, which should have been recovered in the fumble if that ball hadn't bounced out of bounds. TJ would have ended the game effectively in the fourth quarter. And um, that's the defense. Let's move. But talking about Deontay, you're right. Let's talk about the offense. I actually thought that they they were pretty good. Like they're as good as they can be for this year with Ben at his stage. Um, and really, the story of the game is Deontay Johnson. I mean, and here's the quote I wrote down. Well, not a quote. Here's just a thought I wrote down this morning or last night about this. I said Deontay's touchdown drop in the first half underscores why you don't put him in the top 10 NFL receivers list. Like no one's putting Deontay up there with Justin Jefferson and these guys. And he's never mentioned as a number one receiver, even though I think we are witnessing him become that over the last two years and particularly this year, but you're never going to hear him talked about in the top 10. He's not going to go to the pro bowl this year. I'd be shocked unless, you know, Steelers fans are really good at voting for a pro bowl. But the reason why is because he, there's that thing in the back of your mind because of that long streak last year with the drops and just, the quality of the drops being such bad ones that just could only be attributed to mental, you know, mistakes that way. That's why I don't include him in there. And I know he hadn't dropped any this year, but I mean, dad, you tell me, were you, have you been like me this year? thinking he's going to drop one of these, right? A little bit. Yeah. We have PTSD. Exactly. So when he dropped that, that's the reason why you don't put him way up there. But every moment after that, shows why he very well could be put in that top 10 list, maybe even as early as next year, depending on who the quarterback is, because he played like a number one receiver the whole game. He made so many great plays off of screens where not only does he catch the ball and break tackles, like Ben said, he made physical runs. I mean, he's a tiny guy. He's tiny. Like the similarities to Antonio Brown are so noticeable, right? Their their play style and everything. But the big thing is that like AB had this muscle on him where you didn't really worry about him. Deontay is always slipping and dropping and getting crushed his first year and he's gotten better at that. But so for him to be making plays like 
stiff farming people and getting out of bounds was impressive. But it wasn't just that. If you look at some of the plays on the screens, it's the quality of the route running. I mean, it is so elite. There's one screen they did where he actually took two steps forward past the line of scrimmage. And the way he uh, controlled his rhythm, it was like slow step. It was like fast step, slow step, dance. Ben throws the ball on a nice kind of like a lob before Deontay even starts taking his step backwards, right? So they timed it. He's still going forwards. And he's not even looking at the ball. And he turns around, and it's right there. That was an example to me of how an elite receiver creates extra separation. The fact that he lingered past the line of scrimmage for so long before coming back to catch the ball, it freezes the defender. It makes them stay up. Rather than if you just do a quick jab step and hold behind the line of scrimmage, they're like, oh, he's, he's getting a screen. I'm going to charge at him. Nope. So that move gets him separation. Then he pulls the ball in very smoothly and transitions to a run, makes a little cut outside, stiff arms a guy, and then gets kind of dragged down by Marlon Humphrey at the first down marker. And I just wanted to point out that play because you see how many things he did at every moment of that play that James Washington or Clay, you know, other people, they just simply don't have the physical ability to do it. So that was just one play I loved by him. And then obviously some big plays downfield and the slants and stuff like that. But I think that was the big difference in the game was uh, Deontay being able to put that horrible drop behind him. And so it doesn't affect him even an ounce the rest of the game. And then he provided with Ben the big play element that this offense has been lacking for like three years. And I think that's kind of like the difference in the game. Yeah, eight for 11, 105 yards, two touchdowns. And you're right, it shows growth, right? That it didn't get into his head that he dropped such a visible touchdown pass. Let's move to the other guy that we haven't spoken about all podcasts, and that's Najee Harris. 21 attempts, 71 yards. Um, What can you say about him? I mean, that is three and a half, under three and a half yards of carry, but it's like he had to get them all on his own. I mean, I I thought the offensive line did. Did okay, especially for having like what was Leglue our fifth guard? He's the fifth guard of the season, so Something like that. Okay, but geez, Najee just carries guys. You could just count on him twisting and turning and getting the extra couple, of, not just yard, but multiple yards. That's why stats they're close to meaningless sometimes in football. Like if you just oh here's his average, like okay, well you can't. That just means you don't have even a shred of talent. <laughs> Or a shred of will, you know, to be able to analyze the player while he's playing the game. Is he making people miss? A three-yard run can happen in a million different ways, right? I mean, I just think a lot of times, you know, people want to watch for fun or whatever. It doesn't take a genius. Just look, like, answer these questions. Did he break a tackle? Yes. Okay, good run. Did he make a guy miss? Yes. Good run. Did he have a one-on-one in the open field with the guy and he gets tackled every single time? No. Okay. Bad run, right? It's not rocket science, the football thing. But uh, so it's not going to show up on the, on the stat sheet for Najee. He's unbelievable. I mean, Benny Snell would average one yard to carry. And even Benny Snell came in and played well. So not, not to use him always as the punching bag. I do feel bad about him. Sorry, Benny. But uh, it, it just is a good example of like, yeah, there's like a – a perfectly good guy who made it to the NFL and can play in the NFL. And then there, here's a guy who's a superstar. So here's what I, I, I'm not literally thinking about trading him, but make me an offer for Chase Claypool. Oh no. (laughs) 
I think your generation is I, I'm surprised it took this long. You're got you guys are gonna hate Claypool, right? What did he, he had that nice little catch where he made that Catch well, nice catch, right? It's nice for him. I think someone pointed out, might have been Neil Kulong, but uh, he has the crosser where Benjamin faded back, hit a really nice fadeaway pass to him, and he caught the ball with his hands. You saw him actually stare at the ball for like an extra beat before he made the run. Look, I'm also very frustrated by Claypool at times, and I think he, uh, you know, who knows? I, I hope that he develops and becomes a Steeler great, but I could see there being some rubs in that relationship. Um, but I, I do think, like, look. He's, he's passionate and he loves football. And that's the thing with all the rest of it. He's a young guy. He's a young, like handsome millionaire. I assume he's got some money off the endorsements as well. And there's just, you know, he comes across as a kid sometimes. So some of the annoying things he does, I just, I have to stop and be like, all right, come on, man. Like he loves football and works hard and runs hard and does not give a crap about his body. Like he'll take a beating. That's very Steelers. Like it's just, yeah, it's just frustrating because you see him make Megatron catches on the sideline and then miss the easiest catches you can make. So he's, he's a roller coaster for sure. All right. So one of the most fun plays of the game is Zach Gentry converting a third down when the entire stadium, <laughs> when the entire stadium exploded into mooth it doesn't matter if you're a Steelers tight end they're gonna be they'll be cheering mooth for you well mooth is just Heath so they're really just doing this they're so happy they got to replace their Heath I mean has there ever been a more beloved player by Steelers nation than mooth right away it's a perfect storm right I thought that play was actually phenomenal by Gentry too because he caught that pass in the flat when Ben was getting some pressure and he turned around and there was a guy right in his face and he actually made a very nice compact cut into the dirt and cut up field with some agility that I've never seen from him before. He's what he's like six, nine. I mean, that's not his game, but it was just enough to power pass and get the first down. So that was a nice play. And, uh, yeah, I, I, that was the best when you get to hear them do the move. That was the loudest move by the way, too, of the night. I don't know if it was just the way that the microphones caught it, but it wasn't just calling him move, which is also hilarious. Like, no, 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 we don't do a gentry. Like, Muth is the guy. You're the backup. You get to be just Muth extended. We're putting his your stats just get sucked up into into Muth's stats. So that's how that's going to go. Well, let's face it. The Steeler Nation knows exactly who they're looking at. They're not making a mistake. That has just been adopted. It's just easier, oh, by yeah. the way. It, it really is. I mean, Gentry. It doesn't really roll off the tongue that way. So I understand. Should we um, talk about Ben? Ben, 21 of 31 for 236 yards, two touchdowns. I he was won't. perfect in the fourth quarter, by the way. Perfect quarterback so? rating in the fourth quarter. What were the stats? Wasn't it like 10 of 10 for 123 and two touchdowns or something crazy? So I, I almost feel like we need to go back and re-record the intro because if Steelers Outpost podcast doesn't start by talking about Ben in the first minute, then – I'm doing something wrong or maybe I'm learning, <laughs> but, uh, how, I mean, how amazing was that to see to, for Ben? And it was amazing for me, man, to see my guy. He did it again. He beat the Ravens with a critical. And I actually thought he, he played fantastic. He played fantastic in terms of what we have set as his new old man, Bruce Wayne, Batman beyond Ben. Like there will be, there will be. Some of the worst plays you've seen from any starting quarterback during the season. He had three, I counted, and I'm sure we could go back and find some more. He had three 
disaster balls that he just lobbed one yard past the line of scrimmage where he should never pass, by the way. How awkward is he passing at one yard? It's, he, there's no, like, zi- I, he has no idea how to throw short. He's like, I throw bombs. Like, what are you doing? I throw absolute piss missiles in between four people on 20-yard digs. Like, I don't throw one-yarders. And they're always lobbed in weird trajectory, and they always get tipped, and the Ravens just somehow found a way not to come down with them. So he threw, like, three balls directly to the other team. Uh, so I'll just say that. But other than that, man, he was striking downfield and he was, uh, accurate. He was decisive. His screens were pretty good. I mean, even you look on the touchdown and the two point conversion, it's almost like he kind of threw it behind the guy. It's not perfect, but I don't know. Who knows? Like he fired it confidently and I was watching his form on a lot of those. And once again, who knows, maybe they don't have the chemistry for where they, um, you know, where the routes are going. But at this point with him and Deontay, I would expect you to have it. But long story short, he was decisive. He made some incredible throws. He should have had three touchdowns. We all know that uh, off of the big one. And I just thought he played a great game. And once again, uh, ties Tom Brady uh, for third all time on the fourth quarter comeback or game winning drive list, which he, he did earlier this year. And they're going to go back and forth that you figure Tom will pull away. And Ben finds a way to do it once again. And it feels so good that it was on national TV. It feels so good that it was against the Ravens. And especially after last week's debacle to the Bengals. And I think that these are good. It's sort of like, uh, it's not Kobe's final game, the 64 game points or whatever, but it's in the same, you know, wheelhouse. It feels great. Interesting that this game saw two two-point conversions, both insanely meaningful. The first one by the Steelers because Boswell's missed extra point. Ben to Fryermuth for two. How that about that play? Awesome. Was, it was phenomenal. I mean, they had four guys on that side of the zone really uh, look, just freaking out about Deontay Johnson. Honestly, and Muth, I think he motioned in a little bit, but either way, he was in the stack basically behind Deontay to the inside, sort of just delayed release that if I'm remembering the play correctly and then just kind of headed towards the front pylon and Ben made a nice throw. And you do see on that small little play, like what the difference between he and Gentry and, uh, well, I guess Ebron could do some of this stuff as well, but you just feel better when the ball is in the air going to Muth than, than Ebron, obviously. But he just kind of, smoothly and quickly gets out there. There wasn't really much to it. It was just a, a good zone beater. And um, it was it was cool to see Ben get to make that play to Fryermuth and for Fryermuth to have that quality play in a Steelers-Ravens game. And you saw he celebrated a big, big time and his teammates did the same thing with him. And that goes a long way. I know uh, Ben said he talked to Najee before the game and said, you're going to be in a lot of these, man. You should save them or, or something along those lines. So... Love seeing that, and then I guess we got to go into the Ravens two-pointer. What do you think about Harbaugh's call? I honestly think it's a great call. Chris Sims has a big thing about he's ripping on a lot of coaches because currently in the NFL, we just we assume if you're aggressive, it's okay. Always go for it on fourth down. Always go for two-point conversions. And if you're aggressive, the media won't beat you up for it. And But I think he even said something similar to what I'm about to say on, on his show today. Like, it's the Ravens. They are like a two-point team. They are a fourth-and-one team because they have Lamar, right? And I, I don't, actually don't even remember what Chris ended up saying about this. But my thought was that they, they've constantly been doing this since Lamar's on the team. I think that this offensive strategy is sort of built around that. Like, it's all this misdirection. And then can you prevent Lamar Jackson from getting one yard if that's his goal? Like, I know that 
they can stop him and sack him when he's trying to pass the ball downfield. But if I were them, I think that that's who you are. And the guy, Mark Andrews, you can make the argument that he was wide open because, well, you don't make the argument. He was wide open. But when I first watched the play and every time I've rewatched it since, I really do think that it's like, well, yeah, Mahomes would have made that throw. Rodgers would have made that throw. Maybe Dak, but I don't know. Like, I really think it was T.J. Watt prevented that throw from happening because you see Lamar has to step up. And Lamar's step up is – and it's not a Tom Brady step. I mean, it, he, he teleports to the next port. So that is to say I think T.J. Watt would have actually knocked down a lot of other quarterbacks or at least been so far in their throwing lane that they wouldn't have been able to make the throw. But Lamar's so quick – he steps up, and then he's going to have to make a sidearm throw around T.J. Watt or through his overstretched hands, and that's just – there's only a couple guys who make that throw consistently, you know? So, yeah, you'd like to see Lamar make it, but I really – if you're a Ravens fan, not me – I do think that that play had more to do with uh, there being some good penetration and T.J. Watt just playing it so perfectly that it wasn't as easy of a throw as people might think to a wide-open guy. Do you, I mean, he was wide open, but do you think that was the right play, given what you said before about Lamar getting a yard or two yards in this case? I, I, I think it's the right play, although you, leave, you left T.J. Watt unblocked as part of the play, and that does seem a little insane. It's like maybe you should have just run it to the other side. You know? I mean, the play was perfect. The Steelers can't. They didn't defend it at all. It was, once again, it's the story of the Steelers season. It's why I think some of us or, you know, some of the Steelers fans have a distorted view of what the Steelers are because there's a couple guys who are on Hall of Fame trajectories who are really carrying the team, much like Lamar does for them. But uh, I think that that play would have worked against many other edge rushers, and I don't know why they didn't run it to the left just for the sake of, hey, the play calls for this guy to be unblocked. You know who that guy is, right? <laughs> it's the guy. Hey, we have some interesting statistics to go over, but first, let's hear a few words from our sponsors. My bookie. Look, everybody, it's not every day that you can double your money, but with my bookie, you can double your money instantly thanks to their double deposit bonus for all new users. If you sign up right now at mybookie.ag and use my promo code SPORTSDRINK, one word, SPORTSDRINK, you'll instantly receive Double your initial deposit so you can kickstart your betting experience with all the best games, leagues, and casino options to choose from. Look, if you are worried about the retirement of Ben and, you know, my interest in the Steelers would never waver, but I understand that there might be a little bit of a rebuild ahead here. There might not be, though. We'll see. Maybe you need to put some scoots on some other games, you know, keep, the, keep it going. I don't mean to encourage that, but I'm just... Stating the facts. That might be something people are interested in. Well, my book is going to help you do that by doubling your first deposit. If you use that promo code SPORTSDRINK, bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my boogie. Symbol, everybody. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks. Every time your teams win, you earn cash. And Dad and I, of course, have a never bet against the Steelers policy in all things. We did mention after the putrid loss to the Cincinnati Bengals that it might be in some people's best interest to bet stock down on the Steelers, but we're not idiots, so we wouldn't follow that fake advice I gave to you guys because the Steelmen are back up, and if you bet on them going down, then it wouldn't have worked. 
but now the Ravens are all injured, so maybe you want to bet on them going back down. So go ahead and use the promo code SD when you sign up at www.simbull.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, when you make your first deposit, it'll be risk-free. So even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. Spotify Green Room. It's a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. You can talk to fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. And you can trash talk Ravens fans. You can talk about Ben's greatest highlights. PFT commenter put a, a best Ben scramble drills video up on Twitter. Maybe you go talk about that. You can actually link your Twitter account to Spotify Green Room and talk to other fans, athletes, executives, and insiders in real time, which is really cool. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. First of all, I was watching the game. You were unavailable at the time. So I was watching the game, texting with my my best friends from high school, West Mifflin South, class of 79. Ooh, um, I think. <laughs> Spartans, exactly. Yeah. One of them was saying, like, Tony Romo got old pretty quickly. I got. I actually yeah. thought that Tony Romo makes the, the game so enjoyable. Agreed. I mean, he tells you exactly what's going to happen almost you know, every time he says it, he's spot on. It makes it really fun and interesting and educational to watch a game. He, yeah, he's educating you while you're watching the game. He's like, and I know they say other uh, quarterbacks could do that, any good quarterback. It's like, yeah, but they don't. And I'm not saying it's, because they are unable to, but just Tony has a charisma about him and a passion for football and this positivity. That's awesome. Everybody hates every announcer. What announcer do people like? They liked Romo for that one year, right? Guess who else is really good? Joe Buck. But the thing is, by the way, guess who else is good? All the really big ones. There's a reason why they don't talk about Dan Fouts and some of these other guys, right? You know who the big guys are and they're good. Just people get in their feelings, which is what you're supposed to do in football. I understand that. But not against the announcers, especially when these national guys are very largely unbiased. I've been watching football for like over 20 years, and I've never really found them being overly biased. Go listen to a home broadcast, you know, or, or when we've unfortunately had to watch some Steelers broadcasts where the other team's announcing or the other team's announcing team is, is working, and that's brutal, right? But I agree with you. Tony Romo's still really good. You got to appreciate guys like him. Like, I thought I used to hate Collinsworth, and then I started getting older and just getting more into the technical part of the game, and I started realizing, man, Collinsworth actually knows the Steelers. Like, he knows the backup players. He knew Ross Cockrell, and he knew about him, you know, in depth. He knew about... Eli Rogers, and it's like, oh, this guy does his research. He is articulate. He's positive, and Tony, those things all apply to Tony Romo too. And obviously, Jim Nance is awesome. When you hear those two voices together, oh, Jim, oh, Tony, I know that you're gonna get, you know, the cartoon voices. But I also like that kind of too, honestly. So I, I agree with you with Tony Romo. I still like him. One of the more interesting statistics is that TJ Watt is third in the all-time Steelers sack list for sacks within their first eight season behind Jason Gilden and James Harrison. The difference being that TJ's in his fifth season. So, but he's not third on the all-time overall sack list, right? Just for 
third if your career ended at eight years? No, he's third on the all-time list too. <laughs> oh, oh, he's third on the all-time list. Yeah, because I know that Both. those two guys were the are the two leaders. I was just like, oh, maybe the, it would make sense that they were leading after. Eight years. Oh yeah, duh, because you just said yeah, he's only in his fifth year, which we have just a funny know. yeah, just yeah. He's so on TJ. Yeah, he's 16. He's now tied with James Harrison for the most sacks in a single season. He has two more sacks than anybody else in the NFL. And let it be noted that he missed two games. I mean, he missed like four games, though, didn't he? Because he missed half games in other spots. So this is insane. He'd have the – and thank goodness this happened on mostly national TV because now he could be back in the defensive player of the year race, which, by the way – is, again, another reason why we want the Steelers to win more games. Because if they're not at 500, the chances of him getting it are very low. And we've paid him already, so we don't have to worry about that on the resume, (laughs) hiring the contract, even though it did come out that while he didn't spit on his agent's desk, he did accept a lower offer when the agents were trying to uh, pump up the offer. So he probably would have been fine anyways, even if he had the defensive player of the year. But that being said... I mean, this is the guy since Troy, right? I mean, we have a couple other Hall of Famers, and clearly the second half of Cam Hayward's career has been uh, at that level as well. But Troy, by year two, definitely by year three, was an absolute megastar, Hall of Fame trajectory guy, a quintessential stealer, makes an uncanny amount of big plays in every big situation. Really, if there's a big situation, there's going to be Troy Palomalu affecting it. Well, that's T.J. Watt now, and I think that that's the first guy we've had as Steelers fans who has really matched that level of legendary Steelers dominance. And I hope that, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to hopefully stays healthy, everything goes well, hopefully the team stays good, and he gets that record and and much more. I hope he gets the Defensive Player of the Year this year. That would be so cool. Well, what was the story behind the unsportsmanlike penalty that he was called for? Do you know? I actually don't know. I actually don't know. I wasn't able to catch up on that one, but who cares? I'm not even going to spend any time on the freaking unsportsmanlike. He probably – they didn't call taunting, so that would have been the proper call if he had said something to the other player. But either way, he's got great fire on the field for a guy with the personality of a milk jug off the field. Hey, I mean I'm going to go – I'm going to go off topic just momentarily for the end of this podcast. Oh. Pitt rolls over Wake Forest 45 yeah. to 21 for the ACC title, the first the first team other than Clemson to win that title in what 7 years and the first one for Pitt. That's not off topic. That's the future Steelers quarterback out there, Kenny Pickett playing for the for the Panthers, huh? Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, we still got to watch watch him a little bit more. You know, my predilection, I'm like, is there, is there another Josh Allen? Is there another rocket arm guy who can run? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's so cool. Just love having Pitt um, be relevant and be good. And hopefully this string of good quarterbacks they've had continues to attract good talent at that position. We laugh at Nathan Peterman's NFL career, but he was he was decent at Pitt. And they, they've had a couple guys. And Kenny Pickett's a likable dude. And, Addison reminds me a ton of, of Deontay and the very limited amount of uh, snaps I've seen from him, from both of them. I'll be excited to watch more of them uh, coming up here when the season ends and we start looking at college players. But the other – I mean the reason why they're doing so well, the reason why Kenny Pickett is good is because they switch back to the real damn uniforms. I mean it is so much fun watching Pitt play just to see those uniforms. I don't, what, do, is there a name for the type of blue that is? It's blue and yellow. Pit colors. 
blue, and yellow. Let me figure this out, Dad. I don't know if you know off the top of your head if they made you memorize that after the admissions process. I'm an accountant. I colors, you know. Yeah, okay. It's royal, pit royal, and pit gold. They have their own colors. That's incredible. I, I think you change it to Rooney gold, but that's just me. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, hail Pitt, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact.